Good day and welcome to McLaughlin at Work. Paul McLaughlin here, The Work Wonk, your audio guide to the workplace, bringing you the best of expertise around management, leadership, and employment. Today it's about working couples from one side of that couple relationship, Sharon Mears, Joanna Strober. Sharon, welcome. Thanks for having us, Paul. Sharon and uh, Joanna have teamed up to write a book called Getting to 50-50. It's an active verb. How Working Couples Can Have It All by Sharing It All, with a little asterisk on the cover going down to the bottom, and why it's great for your marriage, your career, your kids, and you. We've got a lot going on here. Mm, the book is right out? Uh, yeah, the launch date is next week. It's in bookstores as of uh, this past Tuesday. And the uh, publisher is uh, Bantam. Interesting concept, getting to 50-50. And uh, clearly we haven't arrived there. A lot of things are 50-50, and we'll get into that. Uh, I think it should be pointed out that both Sharon Mears, the first speaker here, and Joanna Strober, as she will be introduced, are quite accomplished women. Sharon is... Uh, is a was a managing director at Goldman Sachs uh, and these in this day and age she got out when the getting out was good until April of 2005 when she thought it was time to write this book 16 year career at Goldman and she was on the board of the National Women's Law Center and advisory council at Stanford's Clayman Institute for Research on Gender so she certainly's got uh, one side of it right from what she is and presumably the other side from what she has uh, learned. And she lives in the Bay Area, that's the San Francisco Bay, presumably, with her husband, a real estate developer, and their son, age seven and daughter, age four. Went to Harvard, holds an MA in economics from New York University. Her colleague, Jonah, Joanna Strober, has spent her career as, uh, as an attorney She's an investor in venture capital and private equity, and she's currently a managing director of a fund invest in, investing in private equity partnerships at Sterling Stamos Capital Management. She, she also lives in the Bay Area with her husband, who is a software engineer, and their daughter, age 10, and two sons, seven and two. So these two women have their hands full, both professionally and at the home front, Joanna She's a BA in political science from the University of Pennsylvania, and her doctor of jurisprudence from UCLA. So it's um, it, this is a book from two professional women who are trying to create that life-work balance and are thinking that 50-50 is the way to do it, and they wanted to share it with you. They're, they're fresh from the Today Show. Uh, a spectacular appearance there. Uh, they look quite refreshed coming back and immediately checked to see how the book was doing on the charts now that it's been out for a week. And it's been tweaked and moved a little bit. But uh, uh, Sharon, let's start with, uh, with you. Why did you write this book? And I'm tempted to say now, but of course the book has been in the offing for the last uh, three years, precisely, or probably more precisely for the last two, and then with what has happened with the economy, clearly a, a publication date was selected. So not as if we don't have enough of a, on our minds about how to move forward socially, socially in a network sense, and socially within the small unit that we refer to as family. But here is a book of how we... Uh, why 50-50 is great for your marriage, your career, your kids, and you. Uh, Sharon Mears, start with you. Why did you write this book? Well, we wrote the book uh, because we wanted to be useful to women who wanted to combine work and family. We found that there was a lot of um, confusion and misinformation out there about uh, that the the fact that you can, in fact, do it and that it's good for everyone, your kids, your husband, and yourself, and quite frankly, employers benefit a lot too. Um, in terms of relevance, I, I think people are telling us it, it has actually grown ever more relevant because in this economic downturn, two career bets are 
decidedly better than one. I don't know if you saw the recent um, New York Times front cover on how women are starting to outnumber men in the number right. of jobs I they hold. I did see that. I did see that. And uh, like it or not, a lot of women are finding themselves as the primary breadwinners in their families, even though that wasn't expected. But because families didn't anticipate that, often women have not been able to gun for jobs that would make it easier for them to play such a significant role economically in their families. Right. So what this book is really about is setting things up with the idea that bonding with your children is equally important to men and having a rewarding career is equally reward important to, to women. And if you think that way, it gets a lot easier to problem solve so that both people can have careers that can support the family and you have two engines supporting a family. Right. More, more relevant now. Is, is the book directed toward uh, women? Is it directed towards the working relationship? Is it directed toward men? You hope men would read it because like men is from Mars, women are from Venus. There's a crossover, if you will. And then uh, I want to get into the issue of children because I think that the three of us all have, we're from a different era and I'm going to point that out. Uh, and to some extent, maybe it's everything old is new again. But let's, let's start off with what's the, who's, who do you want to buy this book? Well, we wrote the book, again, for women who want to combine work and family. We really hope that a lot of guys will pick it up, too, because the news in the book is great for men. And I think a lot of the reason women enjoy this book is they see that what's good for kids and good for women's careers is actually good for men's careers, too. Um. Yeah, I, to, to, to be, not to be argumentative, but to take the case that just how working couples, first of all, the 50-50, we had this discussion with um, a group, uh, Jeff Smart and his colleagues out of Chicago, um, talking about better ways to select employees. And they were trying to get to 50-50. So if you get a, if you're able to hire somebody and you make the right choice and you get to a 50% chance of retaining that, that's successful. Marriage is still, I guess, a 50-50 proposition in terms of whether you get divorced or not. Um, so that the getting to 50-50 and the title, maybe I could ask uh, Joanna to pick up on that. And, and what, is, what, is the, what is the magic of 50-50? And is, is that in, a, in an era where you two are both very powerful women, women in, in your own education and in your professional careers, what does 50-50 mean? 50-50 really means um, both men and women sharing equally the responsibility of breadwinning and taking care of the children at home. So from so it's those two facets are the 50-50. That's right. Breadwinning and raising children. That's right. Okay. And um, what, you know, when we talk about 50-50, we don't talk about 50-50 every day. We understand that might be unrealistic. Mm -hmm. There's days that are 60-40. There's days that are 90-10. Mm -hmm. There may even, even be longer times that are one of those. But the idea is that both men and women are equally capable of taking care of the children and being active participants at home. And both men and women want to pursue their careers. And so our um, hope is that if men and women go into a marriage thinking we are both equal that um, and that's the 50 50 right that um, the things will flow more smoothly from that idea mm -hmm. um, I was I, I, I read through the book through the books I only received it quite quite recently but I stumbled on the page that I thought was that I was going to bring up as I was sure it was in the book because it happens to be exactly where I uh, where I am and that is that the uh, there was a quote under chapter four, women don't quit because they want to. Um, as one lawyer told us, when someone inferred she might have trouble as a working mom at their big firm, uh, that's 40 years ago. So 40 years ago is exactly when I graduated from college. Um, and I found that we've been trying to get to this 50-50 thing probably since if, if the class of 68 was a bellwether class, and I believe that it was, probably two cohorts before, before you. It seems like we've been trying to get to this spot for a long time. And one of the questions specific to 
the entering of the holy state of matrimony, which is the beginning of working couples and children, is that really, uh, has, how has that changed in 40 years between men and women coming together in professional lives uh, towards the 50-50 goal? Well, what we found is that lots of corporations, law firms, small companies, large companies have all tried to figure out how to keep women and to retain them after they've hired them. When I first started- Now you think that, and, and from your experience in major firms, you believe that's true? I believe that they have enacted lots of policies to try. I do believe that they believe that there are benefits and that they would like to have more women in their ranks. I believe that most companies would actually do see the benefits of having more women in their ranks. Now, to, to, uh, that was decidedly not true of Merrill Lynch in the 80s and 90s. Long ran a problem with women in the workplace. So I'm, I'm sure there are lots of examples of places that were not, are not women friendly. Women friendly. Yep. But I believe that as a whole, companies understand the benefits of having a diverse employee base. Okay. But what we found is that a lot of women were derailed along that process. Okay. They were derailed by two things. They mm -hmm. were either derailed because the company was unwilling to have some flexibility right. in their policies, mm -hmm. or they were derailed because their husbands were unhelpful at home. And so the women were always the ones asking for flexibility. And if as the female employee and mom, you have to go to every doctor's appointment and right. every school visit uh -huh. and every school play, and you are responsible for all of those things, and responsible for getting dinner on the table, mm -hmm. it's a lot more difficult to be successful as an employee. But if you share those things at half with your spouse at home, it makes things a lot easier at work, as well as at home. I guess, where's the model, where's the model for this? Let me ask you specifically. Is your marriage different than, uh, is your marriage and family structure, how far different is that from the family structure in which you grew up? <laughs> Well, so I grew up in a very traditional household. My okay. father um, is a doctor, and my mother mostly stayed at home and took care of the children. Uh -huh. So um, we are definitely forging a new path and the path that I experienced okay. when I was growing up. Okay. Um, and your husband? My husband is a software entrepreneur. Yep. He, uh, and But his family structure? He had a different family structure. His mother worked, and his parents were divorced. Okay. Um, so I would say that neither of us had role models per se that we thought were easy to follow. And you entered into your relationship at a 50-50? We entered into a relationship with the understanding that our careers were both important to us uh -huh. and the understanding that both of us really wanted to have children. And over time, I would say that we have gotten to 50-50, which is the name of the book. Yes, right? I, I, I understand <laughs> that. There's an active verb in here, if there I remember my English. There is an active verb, exactly. getting to, becoming. There, there's we're, a lot of working. active work to getting <laughs> to 50-50. That's right. You don't, you don't, not, get, don't get there on your own, if you will. No, that's exactly right. But I would say that right now, my children are as equally likely, if they get hurt at school, to call my husband as they are to call me. And in the event that, you know, dinner is split, we figure out together who's going to get dinner on the table. And if one of them is sick, we are both equally likely to stay home and take care of them. Now, Joanna Strober, are you a Twitterer? Do you tweet? I Facebook. <laughs> okay. And uh, I do a lot of email and chat, but I am not yet Twittering. Okay, that's good. And when you talk about um, that your children call, do they literally call or do they text message? Actually, my daughter has started texting. Okay. But my, I have three children. All right. And they're still mostly doing the telephone. They are? Yes. Okay. And, and, and those calls are taken? Those calls by are you, taken by, <laughs> by me. By your, by your husband? <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, by, and by you? Yes. Um, how much of where we are today, and, and I'm moving in more rapidly than I had hoped, but into 2009, uh, where we are today, literally, that the rules have changed, and I'm, we're, we're shifting from jo Joanna Strober back to Sharon Mears, uh, and the book, again, Getting to 50-50, How Working Couples Can Have It All by Sharing It All, and Why It's Great for Your Marriage, Your Career, Your Kids, and You. It sounds like a, a, a perfect solution. Um, uh, marriage probably isn't as threatened in 2009 as it was in 2006 and 7 when you, people could afford to break up. 
I think divorce and boats are two things that take a hit during a depression, as I understand it. Uh, but so when, when you're talking about working couples today, the getting to 50-50, uh, and I know it's a process, uh, where do you think people, how far have people migrated in the four years that you have started thinking about getting to 50-50, and what will be the impact of the depression that we're in now? I think we're almost sliding through 7,000 as we talk on the way down. Well, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a big question, so right. pick it apart. Okay, so 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 first of all, um, I, I am the, the economic times that are tough um, stress everything. So you know, I I, I will simply say that um, I, I know in our family uh, the idea that we can both be um, providers is comforting. Yes. It is it is comforting. It is. You know, it, it is not there comforting. Is, there is it is income. It, it, it is not comforting that the world is falling apart. <laughs> it is. Our, 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 my, my daughter, I will tell you, actually, the other day after hearing so much money talk, uh, said, you know, Mommy, I can work, too. Yes. And I actually honestly think that's a product of the fact that she sees all adults in her family working. And so she sees herself as you know, wanting to contribute to a very noble thing, which is going out in the workplace and doing your best and contributing to the family. And um, we told her at four and a half, she's really not on the hook for that. But, um, right, but, but that probably is as positive about getting to 50-50, if you will, from the bottoms up. Yeah. As it was perhaps when you started this as a dialogue merely between husband and wife as to how to get to 50-50. The 50-50 is almost more of a holistic sense now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you know, to your question about divorce, I think one of the most exciting things we learned in talking to the social scientists on this is how positive 50-50 is for marriage. Um, first of all, there's some great new research that shows that when men do more housework, regardless of whether or not women work, divorce risk plummets. It goes down a lot. And secondly, um, the couples that have the lowest divorce risk are those who share more equally uh, splitting both earnings and and housework. So it, it, it really is very helpful when couples can have a more common experience. Uh, there's a greater sense of fairness, greater ease in negotiating things day to day. Um, and, is part of that perhaps that when both sides have income, they both watch expenses in the budgeting, and so people are more engaged in it on both sides if they both have a, a skin in the game? Yeah, if they've staken both, both sides. I think it's also that, you know, you hear a lot that, you know, men think uh, schools are wasteful and that we shouldn't increase school funding. And so, that, you know, basically the voter skew on uh, who's in favor of giving schools more money is uh, more female than male. When dads really go to school as often as women do, they can understand the problems as well as women can. And so a lot of things change when men and women start to interact with kids um, in a more similar way, just as things change at work, when women start to interact and have power at work uh, in the same way that men do. Uh, but, but I'll tell you just one more thing about, about um, uh, marriage, which I think is important, which is the, the reason- I'm learning. I, I'm, I'm still learning about, I'm still learning about women. If it weren't for the if weren't for the birth of, of my daughter when I was in my forties, I learned more from her in six months about women, and what they what, how why they are the way they are than I did in the previous forty years of interacting with adult women. Well, I, well, I think father daughter relationships are incredibly important for for this whole concept of men and women getting on the same page in a more constructive, productive way. Uh, but, but a funny and fun part that every man likes in our research is that uh, studies from psychologists to sociologists say that uh, if you look at couples where the husband does more at home, those couples report having more sex. And most men kind of like that fact. Right, because they're around. <laughs> Are you pushing the vacuum cleaner or whatever you're doing? At least well, you're I think it's also home. that their wives um, don't feel resentful. Right. Where, um, Joanna Strober, where, where did this start? And I, I'm going to offer just one observation. I went to a, I was all male educated through college. There were women around, obviously, but I was basically in an all male school, an all male environment. 
which in the 70s changed to uh, co-educational, thank God. That strikes me as one of the early parts of getting to 50-50 is the formative years and the uh, ease of interaction, if you will, between men and women. Is that is that a fair start on the 50-50? You know, I think a lot of dads would actually like to spend more time with their kids. I think a lot of the men who, the, the younger men that we talk to these days are very excited about spending time with their children. And uh, they want to have a good career, they want to have success, but they also would really like to be around. And I think maybe that's changed since... Um, the 50s, I'm not sure, but certainly a lot of young men right today are really concerned about being good dads, and they know that the importance of dads is very high. There's a lot of research that shows that dads being involved with children actually has a higher impact on the children than moms. That dads going to student conferences and dads going to the school play and dads having dinner with their family actually has a huge impact on their children. I think people understand that. Do you think that that's in part because... Um, men today, husbands today, fathers today, they see that as a major change from the way they grew up? Well, I certainly think some men would like to spend more time with, the, with their family than they felt their dads did with them. It, it, much more so perhaps than, than women. Well, you may see, I mean, some women I think saw their, their mothers being uh, less than satisfied with their staying at home and are maybe reacting to that. Uh, did both of your husbands agree with the with how the book turned out? The book fifth, getting to fifty fifty. I think my husband likes it. Okay, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you're but you're not sure. No, no, no. He's certainly. I, I. Does he agree with everything that I said in the book? I'm not sure. Okay. But I certainly he. I. I think he feels very good about the book. Yeah. He certainly feels very good about the time that he spends with the kids and the fact that, um, because I have a career, he's able to do that. How much of the um, how much of the fifty fifty issue of uh, is related to your own to educational level? I mean, where, where is the, where is this book pitched to uh, professional? Talking about professional women, first of all. Actually, we're not. You're not. I mean, we okay. interviewed just as many nurses and um, teachers. We interviewed many people who don't necessarily have advanced degrees for the book. If you look at statistics. It's not only women in the upper echelon that are stopping working. It's actually pretty consistent that about 30% of women are not working along all um, income levels. So and I think importantly, we also want to make it easier for people who feel like they have to work because the worst thing is to be working and doing everything at home. So <laughs> there's lots of women who financially might not be able to quit their jobs, but it doesn't mean that their husbands are helping them out. And it does mean that, therefore, their careers are able to be less successful. And that's something that um, we would really like to focus on. When, how, does, how does 50-50 equate to work-life balance? It, it strikes me, um, having been through this, and, and very happily in every respect, that it's a dynamic tension, always. Um, that you, you do... The, the sense here is that why it's great for your marriage, your career, and your kids sharing it all is somewhat impractical as, as a something's got to give I mean there, there are it, it's a little bit of a roller coaster here in terms of a question is looking for that work-life balance the, per, the perfect outcome for kids um, are you suggesting that it's, it's best at 50-50 or that there are a series of it's a chart that sort of goes 40-60 20-80 and that what you're looking for is to some extent a balance yeah, as Joanna said, it's not 50-50 every day. You know, the the uh, whether mom or dad is more on point at home or more focused at work is a, a function of the ebb and flow of both the demands of work and the demands of home. But but I think one of the things that we found again really exciting is that 50-50 couples really don't look like I also grew up in a traditional home uh-huh. and you know, if you took everything my dad did every day and did, looked at everything my mom did all every day, 50-50 couples don't do that, right? They, they, you look at the uh, traditional home at, at the father role, yep. and there are lots of things that men felt they had to do. They had to go to cocktails with their boss. They had to go to the golf game. They had to do all these things that were seen as requirements for advancement, right? right. Women, uh, moms had a variety of 
classic things there. The house had to be perfect. Everything had to be in order because that was a mark of them doing a good job at home. And what we talk about in the book is that 50-50 couples, in effect, become great consultants to each other. So when a husband says, I got to be away for six days because I got to do this meeting and that meeting, if he looks at his wife and his wife is an equally... Um, is equally interested in her career and she says you know what I just did a trip like that and I did it in four days here's what I think you can do he's gonna listen and and so you actually buy flexibility by in effect consulting with each other and what we talk about a lot is that in our homes our husbands are great and when we are obsessed and certain that a birthday party for a kid has to be wildly fancy or that thank you notes have to be just so or that you know beds have to be made every day our husbands will say why why is that right. are you sure and what's really great is when you believe your husband's really an equal at home you listen and that actually helps you shrink the size of the pie and when you can agree on the size of the pie either at work or at home it's much easier uh, to split things up in a way that feels fair let, let's um, let, let's split the conversation into th three parts one is children one is working women, and one is fathers. With regard to children, um, and, I, and I saw, I thought I read in the book that it is always better, I, I was interested in the caregiving aspect, the caregiver versus the parent being a parent. Um, you obviously have to tiptoe around that a little bit, but I, if I heard it, read it correctly, the, the issue really is, is there a substitute for a parent, and usually a mother or a father, it doesn't make any difference. Is there a substitute that, for that for the child? Well, there's never a substitute for the parent. The parent, parents are always parents, but I think there is, when you ask what's changed over the last decades, you know, my father's a shrink. Uh, who studied under Anna Freud. So you know, he was in the center of you know, uh, the, 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 this sort of debate over my whole lifetime. And when I was a little kid, the research said moms should stay home and be ever present with their children. And by the time I went to work, my father was very clear with me. He said, you know what, the research has really changed. What it says is what matters is the happiness of the mother. And what we got really lucky on was uh, the biggest studies ever done on child care and child development actually completed in 2006 run by an arm of NIH uh -huh. and we got to talk to a very large percentage of the key investigators there and they're incredibly and, and clear the conclusion the conclusion is children turn out equally well if there's 100% maternal care or not it is absolutely conclusive and so this whole debate about should women work or not is really old hat and it keeps being brought up by um, for reasons that are not uh, based on what the current research says. And um, what is important, again, as Joanna was discussing, is that parents understand that your interaction with your child when you're home, that matters. And being very thoughtful about that matters. And working parents can do that as well as parents who are there full-time. Full if you will, quality time. Uh, it's actually, they call it uh, sensitivity, parental sensitivity, you know, being thoughtful about how you read your child and uh, both being responsive, knowing your child, mm -hmm. but also letting go and being able to stand back in a, in a constructive way so that your, your child uh, develops a sense of self-confidence and um, ability to move forward in, in his or her Isn't life. Isn't that knowledge of your child to some extent a function of how much time you spend with them? Maybe yes and maybe no, but interestingly, again, they did some very interesting studies where they looked at the hours that an at-home parent spent with her child versus um, working mothers, and they discovered, uh, with, on average in a week, working mothers spent 20% less hours interacting with their children, and that's because, you know, clearly, uh, even if you're at home full-time, you've got plenty of other things to do. Um, but the interesting part is that fathers who are active parents and have working wives are wildly more involved with their kids. And uh, both the... I'm sorry, say that again? F fathers who... 
an active father. There's a big spread between fathers, married fathers. There's some married fathers who you know come home on weekends, and there's some who basically don't see their kids at all, and there's some married fathers who are involved as much as their wives, or even more so. And um, so the the uh, range is far larger for fathers than it is for mothers, and both the quality and unique. Uh, you know, both the quantity and the unique qualities of father involvement are a huge plus for children who get that. And so that's the exciting thing that we really um, have focused on and that we think means that we should be focused much more on how to get dads home. Moms are getting enough time with their kids. Dads are not. And that, that's really, there's a big Department of Education study we talk about there, which is un incredibly clear that married dads, among married dads, only 27% of them go to school three times a year or more. Only 27%. Divorced dads? Go to the school of the child. Okay. Yes, go to the, the school, their, their child's school, um, three times a year or more. Moms are like 50 some odd percent. When men get divorced, they go to school as often as divorced moms, right? They, they actually, they have the ability to do it. They can get away from their jobs and do it. But when they're married to women and we don't really, re we don't think properly about how much, how important men are, they just defer this role to their wives. And the problem is, as the Department of Education said in this study of tens of thousands of families, um, the kids who have the best grades and the lowest delinquency are those kids whose dads come to school. And that's really what we should be focusing on. Interesting, interesting point. And now back to uh, Joanna Strober. The book is Getting to 50-50, How Working Couples Can Have It All by Sharing It All, and Why It's Great for Your Marriage, Your Career, Your Kids, and, and You. The happiness quotient of children, is, is that measurable these days? Uh, the Families and Work Institute, and also a great um, academic by the name of Kathleen Gerson have done lots of work on how children of working couples uh, perceive their parents versus the children of traditional uh, couples, and that's that's in the book too. Um, and what the, uh, the the there's a book called Ask the Children, where they did a very large study of this, and they found that two thirds of children feel they get enough time for their mom, and the number was exactly the same whether the mother worked or not. So no difference there. Um, there was a very interesting number again, which is that 40% of all kids feel that they do not get enough time from their dads. So again, making this point that that's where our focus should be. Um, the other thing that's interesting is Gerson talks about uh, having interviewed the adult children of working and non-working parents. And among traditional kids of traditional families, she finds that uh, almost half wish their mother had worked. Um, among children who had working moms, 80% feel that it's a good thing that their mothers worked. And if you split out the boys, 90% 90, 90 of the, the girls feel it was a good thing that their mother worked. <laughs> and it, does, that, does that change as children obviously have matured much more, much earlier than you two as, as young women, certainly in, in my cohort. So does that does it begin to tip when when children become teenagers that they wish that their modeling changes a little bit and they they look differently at their mothers who are not working perhaps as teenage at when the child becomes a teenager? I I, I haven't seen an exact study on that. Recently, That's right. there was a this news. Your own opinion. You wrote the book. This is why we're here talking about. You well, are the expert. You're recently, on, you were on the Today Show today right. talking about it. Recently, there was an article in Newsweek magazine. Okay. A woman was writing her personal story, and she wrote about her 13-year-old daughter, and she said that she is an amazing stay-at-home mom who does everything for her daughter, and um, her husband is the breadwinner in the family, and um, her daughter had to write an article about who her role model and hero was, and she wrote about her father, and the mother was disappointed. Right. So, uh, you know, I don't... I'm not sure we've seen exact data to show, and we certainly are not going to speculate among all kids, but I think that for many women, the, the working spouse has become a, a good role model, particularly in this economy, right? There's a lot of um, 
risks in this economy and uh, having someone who can help support a family can be very valuable. Well, and there's a comfort factor knowing that the children know that there's still income coming in. Um, not still coming in, but there's some stability there. That's right. Presumably children are looking at that. A uh, la last uh, point perhaps be, uh, on children before we go on to, uh, before we go on to working women. Um, is the happiness factor uh, for children, is it something that really comes out of the family? Is, is the, is, has the family the real core of, of how children view life? I, I would think that for most children, there are a number of things that are really important, but feeling the love of your parents is, is top on the list, and you can get that whether your mom was working or not. Absolutely, and that, that's how, how it defines it. Um, shifting gears, I noticed in the book a statistic that I thought was a, a little bit higher than I had anticipated, but one of you, um, Joanna is a lawyer, and Sharon is a business school, a business school graduate. And I'm actually an investor. Investor, okay. Um, but but the the statistics about women with MBAs, I thought was closer to 30 percent than 40, but that that's not necessarily important. Well, if you. We're going to miss that observation. Right. Uh, the, the numbers I think we cite are, are nationwide numbers, and but at some of the, um, uh, the, the places like Harvard and Stanford, Stanford's actually percentage I think is higher, but, um, but Har Harvard is yeah has been, and some of the other schools have been have been lower than the national it's average. It's noticeably different from law school and medical school. Yes, it's noticeably different. And 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 um, the fact that medicine has suffered an economic demise um, over the last 15 years in terms of its return on the investment of that. Uh, what does that say about the business community and its, its uh, whether you're a doctor or a lawyer or a business person, how does that feed into the discussion of, of the, the family? In other words, what, what women are doing. Women aren't in business the same way that they are in law and medicine. I, I don't think that's quite right. I think business school is an interesting thing. So I didn't go to business school. I didn't go to business school in part because I didn't want to uh, take time out. I was doing well, and my my there view was, no was uh, yeah. And I think there are well, I, in, with the benefit of hindsight, it sounds like it would have been a wonderful mind expanding experience. I think um, you know business is one of those. You can't be a lawyer without a law degree. You can be a business person without an MBA. And um, I think there are so. so I, it's not clear if you actually look at the statistics in terms of the percentage of women who succeed in business and the percentage of women who succeed in law, they're not that different, right? In terms of law partners, you're talking about, you know, 15 to 17% of corporate officers and 15 to 17% uh, law partners. So it's probably a little bit higher um, for, for law partners, but it's sub 20% for women in the law. And when you look at the big firms, and you look at the um, line positions in Fortune 500 executive ranks, you're down again to like six, seven percent, right? And it's not different between law and uh, and business. So that in 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 summary, on that point, it's more that the parents are producing, if you will, as opposed to what they necessarily do in terms of, of income and the 50-50 element. I mean, the, the whole aspect of whether you're in business or whether you're in law or in medicine, and you two are, are good examples of that, that is less relevant than the fact that there is a 50-50 sharing of the various responsibilities. Well, we think that women will do better in those professions if there's a 50-50 sharing of those home responsibilities, in any profession, right. Okay. So, if, I'm sorry, say that again? If there is a sharing of responsibilities at home, we believe that women will be more successful in any profession. If, right, any, I mean, any profession. If you look at, if a teacher has to leave every single time their child is sick and their husband is not helping them, it's harder to be a good teacher. If a, it doesn't matter what profession you are in, if you are doing dinner every single night and you are cleaning the house, and you were trying to be successful, it is very, very hard. If you have someone splitting those responsibilities, it's a lot easier. 
And, and theoretically, I guess in truth, um, it makes it just not only easier, but it's much more pleasant. You don't, there's not. That's right. The, you enjoy it a lot more, and it's a lot less stressful. Right. Uh, we had a discussion with Richard Florida, wrote a book on Who's Your City, and pointed out how important it was both for relationships and what you do and your happiness level uh, and what you will ultimately do professionally. It depends on where you live. Uh, have you found that from your experience in putting the book together that there are different trends in different parts of the country with regard to 50-50? What we found is the most important career decision that you make is who you marry. I'm not sure it matters where you live, but whether you are successful in life, in your career, the biggest impact is do you have a supportive spouse? And that's pretty much true throughout the country. Yeah, I think it bears repeating that um, you know, we did this survey of 1,100 working moms, and they came from all over the country, you know, Iowa, Texas, um, Alabama, all over the place, right? And um, I think that people, one of the things that's very funny that rang very true is one mom said to us, you know, we're culturally invisible. Happy working parents are culturally invisible, and we need to change that. And so what we say to young women and men who just read these, you know, yellow journalism headlines is, you know, that, that there are all these things that are scary about being a dual-career couple is, you know, look for the reality. Go find couples who are dual-career and, uh, and, and ask them how their lives work because they're everywhere. They're in every single community. 60% of couples nationally are dual career. And, you know, 70% of moms work. They're everywhere. And, and what we need to do is go and ask them how they do it, specifically with an open mind and say, you know what, that doesn't work for me, but those three things, those are really good ideas. They didn't happen in my home. Let me try them out. And it's that kind of spirit of innovation and, um, you know, exchange of, of tips and ideas that we really hope um, uh, you know, our, our book will encourage people to go out and find because it's a lot of fun and it's really inspiring and it makes life so much easier uh, for both men and women. And, um, and, and we've certainly learned a lot doing this. So the, uh, the, the, uh, the, destination, the destination is very much worth the journey. Absolutely. The journey is a heck of a lot of fun. <laughs> Getting to 50-50. Uh, speaking again with Sharon Mears and, and Joanna Strober, uh, book is coming out this week, um, Getting 250-50, How Working Couples Can Have It All, by sharing it all. Paul McLaughlin here, uh, McLaughlin at work. Let's speak to the, the man side of the equation. Um, when you talk about uh, fathers and husbands, I guess I was instructed by my wife, uh, and I thought it was a good lesson, is don't lose the, chul the children uh, early in their lives because it's tough to get them back as, t as teenagers. So it's a process that starts at birth and don't make the mistake of trying to, uh, trying to further, if you will, your career at the expense of the children when they are young. Is that, is that part of the 50-50 is making sure that you're getting engaged early on in your child's life? Well, we think both parents should be engaged in their child's life early on, yes. From day one, we think that fathers just make as big of an impact as mothers on the children. There's actually studies of infants that show that infants respond differently when their father walks into the room than when their mother walks in the room, but both of those responses are very important um, to the development of a child. So um, thinking that a father can check out until the age of 10, there's a lot of developmental studies that show that dad's impact is really big and dad should be around to help them. That if you, the, one of the best indicators of children's success in school is if their fathers show up to um, parent-teacher conferences. You'd be amazed if you talk to teachers how few fathers might actually really? show up to parent-teacher conferences. Even, even today? That, that's right, even today. In the, you know, the Department of Education shows you that that's, that's just the case. They're not showing up, and they do have a big impact, and it's important that they, that they continue. The other thing is that not getting divorced, it, not being a child of divorce is really good for children, yeah. and yeah. the divorce rate is much lower when both parents are working. Right. So, you know, having that's really that's really a painful truth, isn't it? You, you see that children and, and not to make a, a gross generalization that suffers by it, but there certainly is a difference for children who are a product, if you will, of a divorced household. So notwithstanding, notwithstanding subsequent remarriage, which complicates it even further. That's right. I mean, there's absolutely the case that children are better off in a secure, stable, happy household. 
and um, women working can give you a lot of those things. First of all, it can give you financial security, something that is obviously quite important these days and all days. Women who work have lower depression rates and um, there's a marked difference of depression ratios and the, health, the mental well-being between women who are working and, and not working and women have lower depression rates. Again, that's good for kids having moms who are less depressed. And um, lastly, uh, it is, um, uh, if it's good, you know, if it's good for marriage, it's good for the kids, it's good for the women, it's hard to argue that um, the dads should disappear. <laughs> right, and the, the question, the, the one question that comes up is, is a, the book of getting to 50-50 seems to me that the two of you, and appropriately, it's, a, it's a, a great opportunity to discuss it, that the bully pulpit is yours to convince men to get to 50-50 that this is a, a, a marching order that is, is so supported by the research that it's two professional women who are saying this is a good thing to do. Um, have you found in your experience that men are receptive? Are, are, they, are they really partners in getting to 50-50 intellectually? Or is this, you have to take them with this handsomely colored book and whack them over the head and say this is where we have to get to. Where, where is the, um, who's the uh, agent provocateur here? You know, um, as we said, we wrote this women who want to pursue their careers, right? Yeah. We think it's, there are not very many examples to women who want to do it, telling them how to do it. Okay. Number two, we, there's a lot of books bashing men. We were not interested in that. We think of this as an incredibly pro-male book. We want to bring the males into the discussion. There's too many discussions by women where they say, how am I gonna do it? What am I gonna do? And the women think it's all their responsibility. And then they tell their husbands what to do. So we want to change that dialogue. First of all, we want to change the discussion of I to we. How are we going to do it together, husband and wife? And when husbands understand how beneficial their involvement is, we think they're actually pretty interested in engaging. Most husbands are interested in having a happy wife. They're interested in having a happy marriage. And what we found is when you talk to them about what the benefits are of being engaged, they're very interested in participating, particularly when they're not nagged to do so. And that's really our last point, that um, there was a survey that came out recently that said that 54% of all moms with children under the age of one are angry at their husbands multiple times per week. And, um, you know, men are not interested in having angry wives, but what we have found is that the we need to t change the way that husbands and wives communicate with each other so that we bring the men into the discussion. Instead of women telling the husbands, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this, instead you make a master plan and you figure out together, here's what needs to be done, right? Does the husband think that beds are not that important to make? Cross it off the list. Does the husband think that pizza's okay for dinner two nights a week? Agree to that. Once you decide that you can come together and come up with what needs to be done around the house, it's a lot easier to split it, and the men are much more likely to do so. Did you find that um, men were ever the initiators of these discussions? You know, lots of men actually are, criti are critical of the way that their houses are run. And, um, <laughs> you know. That's one way to put it. <laughs> they, right. That's right. That's right. And they feel like they don't have a vote. They feel like they're not equal partners at home. And uh -huh. one of the reasons why they check out is that they feel like they're not an equal partner at home. And they don't want to come home to a boss. They really do want to come home to an equal partner. So we want to bring them into the discussion. We want them to have more say about what happens at home and um, to change that dynamic as well. So they're much more likely to be involved. The, the other question we get asked a lot is, you know, how does this affect men's careers? And I, I think a myth that we want to dispel is that men get hurt from a career perspective by being 50-50. They absolutely don't. They actually benefit. There is um, a catalyst study that makes the point that men in dual career families are able to take more career risk, meaning if they don't like their boss, they can switch. If they want to start a company, they can do it. If they get laid off, they do not need to take the first job. They can pick around for a while and find something that really fits them. So that's a, a really terrific benefit. And you know, both Joanna and I had husbands who uh, ultimately wanted to go out and uh, you know forge their own frontiers and start their own companies, and they were able to do that because they had, uh, you know, wives who could hold down the fort for a while. 
Um, and that's what we heard from lots of couples, you know, nurses who put their husbands through, you know, retraining so that they could do different jobs, you know, teachers who did the same, you know, do it in all different parts of, uh, you know, different kinds of jobs. Um, the other thing is we also have some great economics data that says, you know, this myth that somehow men married to working wives, that the people used to believe that they, there was some sort of um, earnings hit you took because like, you couldn't move to Poughkeepsie or whatever because you had a working wife. That turns out to be incorrect, that actually if you look at the, the if you parse the data properly, there is no material difference between what men of working wives and men of at-home wives make. And that secondly, guys who say on these social surveys that they do close to half of the stuff at home, uh -huh. there is no earning difference between them and everyone else. So I, we kind of have to throw out of our minds all these reasons that, that people have been fearful of having men uh, act as, as equal participants in home life because it's all good. It's all good. That's a, that's a, a, good, a good closing note. Um, uh, and on that note, speaking with Sharon Mears and Joanna Strober, um, how has the book in its early uh, publicity, how has it been received? What, do you have a wave of support, wow, this is great, or uh, is there skepticism about it? How is the, 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 the people who are reviewing and uh, like the Today Show, what's been the reception to 50-50? Actually, what's the most fun is that there's lots of men and women working in newspapers and magazines and television who are doing this, who are living 50-50, and they love having a book written about their life. And so uh, from, our, from the people that we work with at the book company to um, people who have been interviewing us, to, uh, it's just been a wave of support of people saying, you know, thank you, this is really good. You're talking about us. We've been pretty invisible. You're talking about us and you're giving us really good advice on how to do this, and we really appreciate that. Well, Paul McLaughlin here with um, two fine women who have forged a book on getting to 50-50. Again, it's, maybe the book was arriving at 50-50 and how it feels, and that would be the, uh, that would be the sequel. But uh, how working couples can have it all by sharing it all and why it's great for your marriage, your career, and your kids. I guess the summary, and you, and the you being both female and male in this case. But I guess the, the, the testimony, the testament to this is Marriage is a good thing. You'll be happier if you stay in it. Your children are going to be happier if you stay in it. And if you learn to share all aspects of your life, which are raising children and having a job and getting ahead and notwithstanding the recent imbroglio, um, have, being able to retire together, that all that is what makes for a happier, more fulfilling life. We hope so. Thank <laughs> you very much, ladies, for joining me this afternoon. Paul McLaughlin, McLaughlin at work. Again, Sharon Mears, Joanna Strober, good luck with the book of Getting to 50-50. Thank you. Thanks very much. And that closes out our discussion with Sharon and Joanna, the book Getting to 50-50. I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. I, I repeat myself, but I remember a woodcut in the New York Times, which showed the balance of nature and that it is a spot in time through which all experience and relationships and forces pass. So that in fact, there never is a true balance in nature. It is just a point that we are going through on the voyage to excess, or in this case, from 2575 through 5050 to 4060. And that pendulum, much like life, much like the economy, much like business, that pendulum swings back and forth. And perhaps it is less the ideal of selecting a point in the, the midpoint in this case where working couples can have it all by sharing it all is that there is a an awareness a recognition that it'll perfection will never be achieved true balance will never be achieved but when that it when it gets out of whack there are ways to address it that are productive and 
perhaps I would offer that one of the ways that you can survive in the current economy and the current social fabric is to get through it the first time and then remember that you've been through it before. Maybe that's the great lesson of this economy and what we're going through as a world, not the least of which is in the American order. But better for people to have seen it before makes them more comfortable that the sun will come up tomorrow. Much like after a good fight with your spouse about something meaningless in reflection, but at the moment was terribly important. And the comfort that you know that you can get through the bad times, that there's a level of commitment to progress, to sharing, to caring, that allows us to weather any of the storms that buffet both our careers and our lives and our children's lives. And then in staying together, there's a far greater chance of success at any level and certainly hoping uh, certainly uh, by helping each other that there's a greater hope that we'll all get through this together the economy notwithstanding personal relationships notwithstanding people being out of work notwithstanding running out of money notwithstanding all of those things which upset the balance of nature that's what we're talking about here on McLaughlin at work today Getting to even, getting to fair. And there seemed to be a certain, I, I couldn't put my finger on it in the discussion with these two wonderful ladies, Sharon Mears and Joanna Strober. But I didn't quite get the thought that, that this would, book was an even book. This seemed to be something that there was, well, I guess obviously that it was written by two working mothers, working couples, but they were on the female side, that they might have the answer and that the, it was better to listen to mom, listen to your wife in getting to 50-50 than try and argue the fact that at times Sharon ain't all it's made up to be. And there's a certain practicality when one person's out of work, the other person's got to step up. The mommy track, the fact that if you are of the opinion that children benefit from having your parents around, their parents around, and I am one who feels that way, either the man or the woman, but the notion that we can get by as working couples and that that does not have an impact on your kids I think is flawed at its fundamental level. I do believe that there are sacrifices one has to make and if your career is more important to you than your children, and that is okay. People have made that choice. That's where they make their investment. It is a fundamental return, ROI, return on investment theory in play here. And if you are sharing your marriage, your career, your kids, if everybody is involved in making that happen, something's got to give. I'm always reminded when the subject comes up of sharing or focus or depth that most Nobel Prizes have in fact been won for discovery that people achieve at an early age because they went long and deep into a certain subject matter. They're recognized for it well after. But the actual effort, the actual work output was a singularity, a single focus, almost maniacal on finding a solution to a particular problem. And I believe it's true here. If you want to make an investment in your kids, that's the investment. If you want to make an investment in your marriage, and some people decide that they're not going to have children, that's fine too. And if your career is important to you and making money, you probably are not going to be able to do it in the context of that having it all by sharing it all.
I think it depends on what your priorities are. What's important to you? As they used to say, what floats your boat? And we're not making judgments here about what's floating your boat. All we say here is on McLaughlin at work, if it works for you, that's what makes it work. And maybe that's what the ladies were talking about for working couples. If you've made certain commitments to each other on the sharing rule, 50-50 probably is the best way to do it. Got to come out somewhere. Enjoyed the conversation with Sharon and uh, Sharon Mears and Joanna Strober, both from the Bay Area, both with successful careers, both with successful marriages, both with successful children. It's a good story. We wish them well. We wish well with the book. Paul McLaughlin, The Work Wonk, your audio guide to the workplace. Wishing you and yours a good week. We'll be talking to you later. <laughs>